Welcome to episode 196 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Raphael Cohn and Kevin Clark. They are both designers. They are both podcasters. They're hosts of our other design show, Layout. And they're both good guys. We had a good time catching up with them uh, while they were in town in San Francisco. Rafa is from Portugal. Kevin's up in Canada working at Shopify. In this episode, we talk about podcasting and tools and development processes and design processes and so much more. We recorded two podcasts at the same time and I don't remember which one was which. (laughs) Yeah, we recorded this back to back with uh, their reverse interview of Brendan and I, I guess it was a reverse interview. They're mirrors of each other. Yeah, yeah. So they recorded an episode of Layout that came out last week uh, that Brendan and I were guests on. And immediately before that, we recorded this episode where they were guests on ours. So it was a nice little podcast round robin. Uh, We hope you enjoy the show. But before we get into that, we want to thank our sponsor, Fuse, for making this episode possible. Fuse is a development tool for everyone. Like the whole purpose is to allow people to build Android and iOS apps faster, whether you're a designer, a developer, really anything. The key to app development is teamwork and they're building tools that enable you to all speak the same language and work the same way. If you think about app development in the grand scheme of things, it hasn't really changed that much uh, in the last several years. Like you're still going through the same hurdles to build apps, to design and develop it and ship it. Draw a rectangle, nudge one pixel, nudge back one pixel, nudge two pixels, nudge back two pixels. And on and on. So Fuse is really trying to rethink the whole process from the ground up to let developers and teams and designers write less code and do less work in order to achieve more and ship better products. So to do this, Fuse is building a really powerful set of features that work across all platforms, so Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android. It's a component-based UI engine with a real-time workflow so that anytime you make change in the code, It's instantly reflected on all of your devices and previews, including in the desktop simulator, which means that as you're working with your team, you see real-time updates as the code's changing, as the design's changing. Uh, You're not not spending time prototyping, which isn't as valuable. You're actually shipping real code, and it's built in a really simple... They have this format called .ux. That's their file type, and it's just a simple component-based structure. It makes it really easy to understand how things actually work. You can think of it like Unity, Uh, if you know anything about VR development, but for app and product developments, you have uh, one tool that provides all of the the components and resources you need to output native code in an app, and it's accessible for designers. If you or your team are looking for a better workflow and want more powerful tools to build better products, go to fusetools.com. Uh, You're going to find lots of examples. They have a Medium blog where they share lots of uh, documentation and tutorials. They have an incredible document section. You can find all those examples and get started building apps today. That's at FuseTools.com. Thank you so much to Fuse for making this episode possible. Uh, If you do pick up Fuse, let us know what you build with it. We're very excited about what they're doing for the design community for the development community to make it easier to build the great products it's awesome thanks once again to fuse with that let's get into episode 196 with rafa Cohn and kevin clark all right um so hi i'm kevin i'm a design lead at shopify and co-host of layout i am also co-host of layout 
I'm Rafa, and I'm uh, <laughs> <Hey>. primary <laughs> identity, yeah. the host yeah. of Layout. Yeah, Secondary, my, my name is Rafa, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I'm uh, the center at Netlify. Do I need to explain that? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, What's Netlify? Netlify is this platform for you to deploy and build your websites. Mm-hmm. We so, use it, so it's like DigitalOcean. Uh, no, kind of like no. It's it's. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's your audience. It's like GitHub pages and steroids. A lot what? of steroids. Oh, I would give it. Way I would more say it's not that. like that. It's well, I don't crazy. Know it's like designers. You have a bunch of developers. What are you saying, saying, man? Like your audience. But what are you saying? Like designers so, can't understand things. Come on, man. Yeah. Do designers know what the code? Here, here designers know what code is. Here's <laughs> here's my selling point. <laughs> this is a very when, good as, start. So we're using it for Spectrum, and every mm-hmm. time we push. Anything to a pull request, mm-hmm. it creates a, a unique deploy preview URL of the yeah, with a, a deploy permalink. preview for that pull request. So you can test all of your stuff with live production data, mm-hmm. but with the it's new feature neat. only on a very special URL for every specific pull. Request. And then when you merge it into master, it gets alias to the yeah. Spectrum URL. It's amazing. It's great. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't call. They're it not Git- a sponsor. I wouldn't but... call it. They're not a sponsor, but I, I don't <laughs> want to say GitHub pages. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. If okay. we say enough words, they I'll have to, to be. It. Mm-hmm. This is how it works. Oh yeah. If we say notify three more times, they have to. Pay us. Yeah. It's like right. Beetlejuice. Right. Also, you know, you guys can like, create a branch, and for example, you can create a branch on GitHub. You can call the branch staging or something, and every push that you make to the uh-huh. branch, you have like staging dot spectrum dot chat. Yeah, yeah, We're familiar. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 boy. Yeah, boy. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry. I'm Rafa. Hi. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm from Portugal. That's why my English sometimes uh, glitches. Uh-huh. Uh, that's going to happen probably. So mm-hmm. that's why. Why are, why are you guys here? For different reasons, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you so want to start what out? What are those or? reasons? <laughs> <laughs> you want to go first? Because you're sure. here first. Yeah. Um, so I'm here for Shopify Unite, uh, which is our uh, second ever developer conference uh, for Shopify. Uh, and I was here to uh, introduce uh, one of the features that I worked on, uh, which is Shopify Pay. Um, so yeah, I was around uh, answering questions, meeting partners, developers, and, and merchants. Uh, and yeah, now I'm just hanging out a little bit in the city and uh, yeah, enjoying the, the nice weather. Yeah, the yeah. sunshine as well. Yeah. Uh huh. You're um, really enjoying the nice. sunshine. It's, it's, <laughs> Your face is really enjoying the sunshine. Maybe some, well, some would say. <laughs> okay, I was the lights in here. It. The lights in here are pink. To be fair, yeah, 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 yeah. But but we know. But yeah, I did get a you terrible sunburn. Um, yeah, that's what happens when you you get a bunch of nerds outside. <laughs> we forget sunscreen. Yep. So uh, yeah, my body wasn't prepared for this, but that's okay. Rafa, what are you here for? I'm here. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> How did I get here? What am I doing here? Uh, no, I work remotely. Uh, part of our team does. So every once in a while, we at Atlify, that is, uh, we uh, fly in everyone to to be at the office, hang out together. Together, it's like a team building type of thing. We yep. also were uh, co-organizing this conference called uh, Active Ingredients. Mm. Well, this I'm is, unfamiliar with this. It's Tell this me more. week, so by the time people listen to this, It'll it's be, over. It's you over. missed it, but yeah, the ingredients are <laughs> active. They are very active. What yeah. is it? It's a it's a conference for web developers. Isn't that what you guys have in San Francisco? That's the thing, right? Well, a, what you have kind a, of well there's also like Salesforce conferences and shit. So, <laughs> hmm. 
I, I should check out. I know Wilson Miner is is a speaker. Cool. Oh. We know him. He's a good old web developer. <laughs> old, old He's like, let me look up the details of this thing that we're doing. I don't want to, like, I don't want to, you know, say um, fake news here. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, how dare you attempt to discredit our podcast? It'll be over anyway. our good so. name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's a conference. Uh, cool. It's going to be cool. So I'm here for three weeks. I do that every once in a while, like like twice a year. Okay, how long have you guys been doing a podcast together now? Oh, yeah. What's layout? <laughs> layout. Is a podcast. <laughs> and me and Kevin. How long have you been doing it together? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Brent. You're that such a dick. Great, Brian. Uh, I don't know. What? How, how would you describe layout? It's a design podcast. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's like the, the metadata on iTunes. It's like <laughs> a design podcast. Well, a podcast about design, technology, and everything else. Basically, yeah. cool. Um, really narrowing the scope. Podcast well, about things. So there's yeah. a lot of podcasts uh, about interviews. I can't think of any right now, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, none come to mind. Um, some. But yeah, uh, what we wanted to do was a show that just discussed the the latest things in the design world, uh, design drama and stuff. But um, no, you- like just talked about what was going on in the world of design and touched on a few topics that um, would have been helpful to us uh, when we were starting out as designers. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a, a mix of all those things. Um, how together. did you two end up doing it together? So yeah, <laughs> you two just, I thought you were going okay. to say this context. Yeah. Yes. You two just met for the first time yesterday. Yes. In it, real, in life. real life. IRL. Yeah. That was very surreal. Yeah. Um, yeah. how did you end up doing a podcast together and how long have you been doing it now? I think like. We follow each other on Twitter. I think you follow point. me first. Right. Oh. Wow. So wow. Just want to okay. put that on the record. Okay. Okay. So I thought Kevin fired early on in this episode. On the record. <laughs> do, you have, uh, do you have sound effects on the show? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I had a podcast first. Yes. I was doing this with a buddy of mine, uh, CJ Malagrido, by the way. Shout yeah. out. Um, he did... Um, th- puzzles.design or something like that what was it it was like an ios 10 ui kit yep 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 i don't remember the name but yes <laughs> uh so uh we had like we were trying we were doing a podcast it was called the Artboard, uh and i think kevin tweeted something like hey anyone like has a podcast like i, I, I was thinking of doing podcasts or whatever and we're like hey you should be on our show this is like we were just starting out mm-hmm. the show was still very young so kevin was the first uh guest on that show and that's where, like, I think I talked to you the first time, right? Yeah. And then yeah. that show didn't work out, but, like, we, me and Kevin, had that thing. We've been on a podcast before together, and, like, we were really into podcasts, and we... Maybe it's because I don't live in San Francisco, and I don't have a bunch of designer friends. Like, I don't talk, like, IRL to mm-hmm. people about design thing and Twitter drama and stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe <laughs> it's part of, like... I have a lot of things to say and I I need a medium or I need, <laughs> I need a place to you share need this outlet, uh, thoughts. Yeah. And I don't want to write a blog. Ugh. So Ugh. <laughs> what am I going to do? Put this on medium? <laughs> right. So I guess that's, I guess this was my main motivation. But yeah. How long ago was that? That you guys started? So it was uh, one year in October. Hmm. So, so a year and a half. Yeah, something like that. Basically Damn. a year and a half. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. How's so it been going? 
you've done a, a year and a half without ever meeting in person. We, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. About, like, tell me, tell me more. How do you organize it? Do you like the remote recording? Do you like? Yeah, who's hangouts? Uh, yeah, every uh, Sunday now. So our schedule is uh, like it goes back yeah, and forth. That's the hardest thing yeah. uh, I'd say. We're five hours apart, um, so finding times mm-hmm. to record is pretty tricky. But yeah. as long as we stick to the schedule. Everything is fine. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it works just as well um, as recording in person. And I think one of the things that uh-huh. is nicer <laughs> about know, recording yeah. remotely um, is that there tends to be less, um, like, things happening in person that, like, the audience doesn't know about. Because we tend to, like, press record, like, pretty early on, like, when we start um we started the hangouts, and so as long as we're talking, like we're we're recording, uh, and then obviously we cut some stuff, um, but we're kind of having like the full conversation is on the record, uh, and yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's do you guys live stream it? No, we we did a few times, like yeah, when the show just started, uh, but like. Back then, the show was so small that it was like two or three people showing up, so it wasn't really worth it. Um, and it changes, like we're not as comfortable talking about stuff sometimes because people are listening. Yeah. Does that happen? Yeah. I, I know you guys used to periscope this, right? Yeah, and, and that was a up. problem for some guests, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just made it less comfortable. Shy. I mean, <laughs> like, you can't have... One of the things that we really like is we tend to have very open conversations and then edit out the parts that we can't keep. Right. Um, yeah. Ex- yeah. Just like so a, that's something yeah. we aim for. And, and Periscope makes it so like everything is kind of on the record automatically and that's not great. Yeah. And people start filtering out automatically mm-hmm. and they'll start yeah. talking in a different way. Yeah. Also, so, it kind of is distracting to have people commenting and jumping in. Yeah. It depends on the kind of show you want. Like if you want mm-hmm. a really live engaging show, then it's perfect. But mm-hmm. if you want like an asynchronous right listen to this next week when you're catching up on podcasts and you don't want that. Right. I think we might go back to uh, live streaming it at some point. Um, But it would have to be like, I don't know. We'd have to have like people like wanting to show up for it. And it has to be worth it. Yeah. And right now, well, at the time it wasn't. Yeah. So the thing for me about podcasts is they take a lot of time and effort. So I'm curious what, what are you getting out of it? Like, what's motivating for you? What have you learned from it? Hmm. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, I just. I, I just really love the medium. I like. Started listening to podcasts, like the whole five by five selection mm-hmm. back in the day. Like it was at the same time that I got into the, like the Apple News medium circle. Like you know, Darren Fireball and mm-hmm. Sean Blanc and Ben Brooks and stuff. Like yeah, that. they were all on there at that time, right? Right. Uh, and it, at the time, it felt such a like a close group of people. It felt like everyone, every podcaster that I was listening to knew they each were friends. Other. Yeah, right. And that just that it was awesome, especially for me. Like in Portugal, in the middle of nowhere, like felt part of this uh, mm-hmm. thing, right? So I was really in love with the medium podcast, and I started listening to every single show possible. Uh, and it got to a time that I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to try it. Uh, it, I mean, ended up being a good thing because right now, like, like I said, it, it's a way for me to just talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's really the connection with the listeners. Um, that is something that you rarely see with like 
if you're either write, doing writing mm-hmm. or um, I'd say like even like conferences or stuff like that or Twitter, like you don't have that like real relationship with with people. Uh, whereas podcast feels so much more intimate. Uh, and people feel like they really know you, uh, and you get like running jokes and stuff. Yeah, and, like, yeah. <laughs> um, and like I met so many people because of the podcast. Um, yeah. like just listeners and like everyone's super awesome. Uh, so that's been really cool. The other thing is, uh, I made a new friend. Uh, and congratulations. The al- <laughs> um, Thank you, guys. Uh, well, which is Rafa, right? Like, and oh, the only oh, way uh, <laughs> I didn't see that twist coming. <laughs> right. Well, I. Yeah, like I, I yeah. met Rafa and we're like very early on, we're like, hey, like we sort of enjoy talking to each other. Uh, let's like record this. So now it's like every time I want to talk to my friend Rafa, it becomes a podcast. Oh, guys. <laughs> hey, um, you guys, we can so, sell this. Yeah. <laughs> we can bottle up this friendship and market it. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, but honestly, like sometimes it does feel like we're just having a, a one-on-one conversation right and then later on we realize like oh yeah that is that is public like <laughs> we yeah. we're releasing this so uh, kevin you're from what part of canada i'm from montreal yeah so my first language is french i was so gonna say neither of you have had english as a first language nope. how do you feel about Dude. producing content in english constantly nerve-wracking yeah at the beginning that was a that was a major problem i, th- I feel like yeah and yeah I s- totally none of well i think none of us were confident enough like it was a thing that you were always thinking mm-hmm. about while you were doing this podcast thing and, and like i still feel somewhat self-conscious about it yeah and i know that it's not always where i'd like it to be um but it's i think it's a sort of thing where you have to put yourself out there to get better and we can't just start podcasting and expect that we're going to be amazing in the first place. Have you considered vocal coaches? No, and, <laughs> well, I'm totally joking. <laughs> have you? I, I have. I have. Um, wow, I didn't I know, know about I this. Might, I might do it at, uh, at some point, but yeah, was, I don't know. It's totally a joke. <laughs> yeah. But no, but it's true. Like, I think it's important to have like good diction and stuff. And like, I. Oh, we're fucked. Yeah. Well, I got I them know. word goof em ups daily. <laughs> um, but yeah, after a while, we just said like, you know what? Like, screw this. <laughs> and like, yeah. let's stop being self-conscious about everything. And like, yeah, it's not going to be perfect. But um, and at the end of the day, like I still, well, maybe there are people like this, but I never heard from them. Like, no one ever pointed that out as being an issue. Mm. You know, like, oh, I can't enjoy layout or whatever you're saying because, you know, we can feel that English is yeah. not like your first language or whatever. And maybe they are. Maybe just we don't know about it. But like, it's I don't know. It's like I said. Like you just, just do it. Like, are you not gonna speak in? Maybe a podcast is a bit of a like. It's a, a real trial thing. by fire, right. I guess. <laughs> because you know, I do work for a company here in, mm-hmm. in the U.S. and I speak English like every day at work. Uh, like every meeting, every interaction is in English and. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, same thing for me. Yeah, have you guys gotten negative feedback or gotten haters? Have you gotten your first hater? No, I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, I think we're too uh, small for that. <laughs> there, <laughs> All right, there will be a point when that comes. Um, How do you feel about the, the iTunes the, reviews? The wor- so the worst thing we've had um, was a, a comment on Designer News for an episode that we. Oh, we don't repeat Designer News things here. Oh, okay. He's kidding. What was it? 
<laughs> no, but it was hilarious. Um, because we had put out a special episode about uh, The Force Awakens. Oh, right. Because we both love Star Wars. Um, and there was this person who left like this giant comment that was like, why do we care about these two designers talking about this dumb generic space movie? What? Um, yeah. What? And I'm like, if you think Star Wars is a dumb generic space movie, there is nothing I can make that will make ha- you happy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Can't please everybody, I guess. But... Especially not designer news. They're yeah. It's, I just where the not angst trying, You just gotta imagine someone. Like, I keep bumping. Someone into downloaded your show, <laughs> put on headphones, listened to you guys talk for a while. Well, and then theoretically, and then, that person was like the skip they, the article they and just didn't comment. like it so much that then they're like, hmm, I need to find out where I can leave some pretty scathing. <laughs> How feedback. can I shit on this? How can I shit on this? Uh, so, anyways, mm-hmm. that happened. Yeah. That was that's the thing I, that happened in real life. That's what I think when, when we get bad feedback. It's like, this person's taking so much time out of their day to shit on something that My they could just is, like not download. <laughs> what was it? Like if these two are designers, some like basically someone was saying we weren't designers because of what we were talking about. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't know. What I mean, was the turning get, point for you guys? Like, we get called Silicon Valley douchebags and all that kind mm, of stuff. Mm. I think the like most relevant review or something like that, the number one that showed up is like, Good podcast, but the Silicon Valley douchebaggery runs thick in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> damn, podcasting though. Sorry, what were you saying, Rafa? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, uh, you said something about turning English. point. But... Oh, uh, I was asking you guys like when, what was the turning point for design details? Like that you started getting some hate, some shade. Week one, episode one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, really. What? Yeah. If you look at the the reviews, there are some janky ones. I think our first vicarious one was like really rough too. Immutables, eh. Immutables, pretty good. Most of our, like I think all of our shows still had like five stars though. I feel like the community is small enough that it, I don't there's know. probably a bunch of people that hate the show, and they're not going to say anything because mm. the community is too small that to like shit on something would be a bad look. Yeah, I, don't know. I, think, I, I think most of the like strong criticism comes from people like outside of product design in most cases right or it'd be sub sub tweets like um uh i mean very relevant now is like what do you call a group of three white guys so mm-hmm. is your goal a podcast um, having every designer on the show so then they can't no. really say bad things in, because they've been on the show? in the world yeah <laughs> that's how you fight it so yeah, yeah, yeah. actively if, yeah, leave us a bad review and we'll we'll invite <laughs> you on the show and change your mind <laughs> that, that's how it works don't actually do that that's not how that plays at all <laughs> no for sure do no people like people kind of They'll ask to come on the show like, oh, eventually you're going to have like every designer on or something. I was like, no, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't even say that in like our description. It's like the people who make our favorite things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. And there's thousands of designers and there's yeah. only so much time. And there's in the world. millions of types of designers, right? Yeah, like yeah. we talked to a video game designer for like episode 11 and that was like the hardest interview we've ever done, I think. Like that yeah. was super hard. It, he was great and everything and like he'd done amazing work, but we didn't know how to have that conversation. Right, right. Yeah, you should do more of those. Like, That's so hard. I, like, I would, I would love to listen to more shows about game designers stuff. Like, I agree. Hey, I, but I don't know. Game. I don't know how to interview game yeah, designers. That's true. Hi. What that game? sounds like a good show for Polygon to do. Hmm? What game did you make? Uh, oh, I, 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 now this feels like so dirty that I was just just plugging myself. <laughs> Come on, dirty I, boy. I, I built this game for the Apple Watch a while ago now. What was it? It's called Break to Safe. I don't think I saw it. Yeah, it's like you yeah. used the digital crown. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have like turn the dial to yeah. get it, lock, uh, unlock a safe. So yeah. you turn the digital crown. 
Yeah. You feel some vibrations when you're close to the answer. And then like one of the vibrations is stronger, you know, all right, this is the answer. Uh-huh. Are there... about, like, <laughs> <laughs> How do you not know one of the five games for the Apple Watch? <laughs> there are one games the for the Apple Watch? <laughs> yeah, there are more than one. Yeah. I didn't know there were. Yeah. That's that's a lie. Anyway. I just never looked for them. Um doesn't work. So not for when me. you're not podcasting. Mm-hmm. Uh you're both designers. We're both designers. We are. Yeah. So, Rafa, it sounds like you're an IC. Yeah? Indiv- yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Kevin, you're a lead. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. That's one thing that I realized, uh, especially in, re- in reviewing a lot of people. Like, there's very, like, widely different interpretation of what a lead is. But basically, at Shopify, that means you're a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I have uh, three reports right now that are reporting to me. Uh, and yeah, mostly kind of leading the purchase experience team uh, over there and uh, trying to like push the, the vision forward and, and help the people on my team as much as possible to uh, sort of 10x their, their growth. So do you do any uh, IC work or is it full on managing not very much um it's funny because we sometimes talk about it but um sometimes i do get the chance to design my slides and that's like (laughs) yes yes (laughs) um it's like this awesome moment where i get to use my creativity um yes yes but um so yeah i i do design a lot less uh directly i do have a incredible amount of side projects uh where i do design um so i'm still still keeping in touch with uh what what normal people are doing um, <laughs> what you normal people are doing you normies <laughs> no i think i but i think it's the opposite like i think I, i'm kind of one of the weird ones because i it was never my plan to sort of be a manager like this it does it never sounded exciting to me being a manager it's like uh like you're you're like in keynote and like you have to talk to humans paper all day mm. like ugh. Ugh. uh yeah you have to do one on ones and shit um but uh no so yeah i'm trying to ke- sort of keep one foot on like each side of the fence um is but that, yeah, i've been half asking everything is what you're kind saying kind of yeah <laughs> yeah i mean kind of doing a not. bad job Shopify, hr get at me hopefully uh, yeah <laughs> hopefully not but um yeah, I'm. I've seen this like in my career. I tend to put myself in situations where I'm like not gonna be the greatest person at like, and I always want to like seek opportunities where I can learn the most possible. And this was like kind of a big thing that I could learn. Uh, and as the the first designer uh, in the Montreal office, I sort of started doing managery thing naturally. Um, so for me, it wasn't like, hey, like, do you want to be a manager? Yes. Like, okay, here's the job. It was mostly like, hey, I've been kind of managing for like six months to a year now. Like, should we make this official or <laughs> what? Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. Um, and it, so was, it was like you were in the relationship kind of, but you made it Facebook official. Yes. It was uh, a <laughs> Shop- it's complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've never like been interested in like being placed in a box of like, okay, I'm a product designer that like does just design. Like I've always been also done front end development. I kind of 
like picked up mobile development a little bit. I'm very shitty at it, but um, you made polls. I'm at polls. I use that. Um, and yeah, so like I've always been like sort of exploring a bunch of things and not like I hate settling on in one thing. Uh, and I like kind of dabbling in a bunch of different fields. And I found that that's just made me a, like better at producing products. Like, because I, that's, I think, what I do. Like, I don't do necessarily, like, just design, just development, just management. Like, I, I think I I want to, like, put out great stuff in the world. And, like, most, most of the stuff that I do is digital products. And most uh, of the stuff I do is pretty great. But, no, no, but, um, like, I'll, I'll shift, like, what I have to do to be able to, like, put out that work that I, I view as at least decent yeah um but that will that will shift like from day to day like some days it'll be more like doing code reviews one day it's going to be more like doing like coaching one day it's going to be something completely different well so So. i want to touch in more on this because i think this being able to be adaptable is really important and today uh david cole wrote a post on quora about why are so many design teams releasing design systems, which is very timely because Shopify just came out with uh, Polaris. Polaris. Yes. At the time of this recording, it was like two days ago, but this will be a, a little while ago for everyone listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he talks about how UI design is becoming a commodity. It's becoming so standardized and so boilerplate that designers are looking for like something new or ways to a, move upstream yeah a way to have move, more impact a way to have more impact to to sidestep to go into the next thing so we're looking at he talks about vr ar uh, mr ai well that's talking about like new platforms straight up yeah yeah that'd be like sidestepping and then moving upstream would be yeah like having more leverage moving tools. on yeah tooling generally and the easiest tool to build inside a company is a design system yeah so where do yeah. you get where do you guys stand on this in terms of do you think that ui is a commodity and we need to start thinking of our role as something very different or is there still room for ui designers well that's that's easy <laughs> no uh that's a tough question like i don't i don't think ui is being like becoming a commodity i i think we elevated the standard like by a bunch like with material design and you know if you just follow the higgs like even bootstrap and all like the 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 base line is very high like you even if you just use basic like bootstrap straight out of the box uh ui elements and all mm-hmm. you're you're okay right it's not like people are going to be able to use your website and it's fine it's going to look great um and so maybe like i feel like this our designers wanted to make a bigger impact like i think you kind of touched that uh, it's not that UI design like is stale and it's done. There's a lot of stuff that you can always improve. Like maybe it's not high impact uh, as you want it to be. Or uh, I think it also is mentioned in, in that article, the Quora thing. Uh, here's an example of the uh, the stories format, which was like an innovation in UI, like mobile UI thing, right? It was like new. But then it became like <laughs> everyone knows what stories look like now, right? Like right. it's it was circles like, at the top. It was like so fast, like everyone now everything has a story. Some like 
some sorts. Uh, oh, Rafa. Rafa, are you, <laughs> are you leading into your virality a little bit here? Yeah. Stories thought leader Rafa. Uh, so I had an article I'm on the verge. verge. No, no, let's not. Let's not. You two both but, went viral this year at separate times. That was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's not get into that. But what I'm saying is, hey, someone, I don't know who was responsible. Someone at Snapchat, I'm assuming, created that new, like the stories format. That was awesome. And that lasted what like a year two years a year maybe like yeah. now it's boring again now now it's just part of oh that's what mobile ui design is uh is that fair like like could we say like ui is stale and boring and uh, i don't I think so <laughs> like, i think the only people who say that are designers like right no one else cares about this shit like build things that work for people and it's fine like you want it to get out of their way this is right so uh, to, uh, for example i've been so for the past couple of months, I've been working on like a redesign. So I guess it is a design system for Netlify, but whatever. I've been uh, like revisiting basic stuff like buttons and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Like even like a dropdown is the most recent thing, like a simple dropdown pop-up thing that, anyway. Dropdown pop-up, cool. Right, cool. Like that is super uh, boring. Like there are like that problem is solved. Yeah. But not really. <laughs> <laughs> like the the iterations that I've been, but mine going is unique through, and special and like, needs very no, custom and, and a care. a lot of times, like a lot of times, it's like right. Let's take a simple. Let's take a button as a the the most basic example, right? Mm -hmm. You take a button. That problem has been solved a million times. You can yeah. take, for example, a material design button, an iOS button. Uh, buttons exist everywhere, so you yep. can just say, "All right, let's go with this one." Fixed, red, like done. But you could also really like go down to the like revisit the problem from the ground up like all right what is a button what is it solving <laughs> what does it need what it doesn't need and a lot of times you know what like the end result is oh yeah that's a button like you just <laughs> oh, you yeah. ended up at the same solution that so everyone has that already a waste of time or do you feel like that's no, still I don't valuable think so, because there's still opportunity to rethink things and, and come up with new interaction like new elements new ways of doing stuff when would you choose to do that versus, sure, we can spend a lot of time revisiting all these mm. things, but when is that worth it? When do you want to just say, fuck that? Like, I don't want to rethink a button. I want to think about the entire style guide. Mm. Like, sure, it can be interesting, but when do you, you only have so much time, right? Like, if it is a problem that, like, at Netlify, like, I, I, I started redesigning the whole, I guess, design system, like the style guide, the base basic elements of, of the, the UI. Style guide, yeah. Um, so, like, because that was a problem, our UI was kind of, like, holding us back uh, to introduce, like, new innovation or new features or whatever. Like, that was a that was a problem for designers. So we had to revisit that. And then, like, if you're revisiting that, revisit, like, for real. <laughs> Every single <laughs> right? thing. Like, if you are, like, you don't get that many opportunities to come up with a style guide in the like the basic building blocks of your products that, you know. You clearly don't <laughs> work at a startup. Just kidding. <laughs> well, even like, what? Take like Facebook. How many times have Facebook redesigned the whole thing? 30. Three times. For real? 30. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I just made up a number. Like, it, Do you remember like early on, like all like the once. redesigns they, that people would complain about? People would lose their goddamn minds. Yeah. There hmm. was a bunch of those. Well, that's one thing. One thing is like iterations on it. Right, but like a complete redesign. Oh, I don't know how many they've done then. 
I would say one or none. I don't remember like, oh my God, Facebook has a new branding, a new style guy, a new look. I don't remember. Maybe they change one thing at a time, kind of. Right, right. So like the news feed was one that was early days and then the like timeline (laughs) on your profile was the Mm -hmm. next big one. The the news feed got a bunch of reorganizations. That was really weird. Mm -hmm. What was the question? <laughs> Twitter's had a few redesigns. That's Twitter entertaining. Uh, and I don't think Twitter is like a success story when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> anything really. <laughs> oh, shade, 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 shade. Wait, why not? Um, why don't you think that? I don't know. They Twitter, have four hundred million users. Why isn't that success? Well, Do no, they I have mean, four hundred million, something like that. I thought it was like two forty or something. Oh, maybe. Yeah, are they profitable? No. <laughs> <laughs> They have a lot of revenue. So is that is that how you're gauging success? Is this like design drama show? Like uh, no, no, no. I don't want to throw shade at any company because I don't know the like I don't know the details. So like the design. He, he, Sorry, bro. Do you think it's unsuccessful because of the design or because of the business or both? No, I would like, say I, Twitter, I would say the design is good. <laughs> I would say some of the latest changes notice that boss. feel weird. Well, to me, uh, the problems as, are like adding features people don't want. Yeah, but the design isn't like bad it looks pretty right. good well it looks but if you have Visually, to change the basic like fundamentals of the how the product works a couple times is because maybe they didn't get it right mm-hmm. well that's okay though one of my main yeah, criticisms sure. of the like twitter designs lately is it seems like it optimizes for one metric a lot of the times like yeah. it seems to like when they introduce yeah like when they introduce discover it's like okay how can we get as many people to use discover um (laughs) put it where the notifications right right (laughs) um and and like i can see how you can make that jump like it's kind of a mental shortcut like if you you're working on this feature and you think like yes like this feature is good for our users therefore if this feature is good for our users how do we make the most the most amount of users see it and use it however like, Make them click it accidentally, so they're pissed at it. Right, like Wait, that is going to improve metrics. Yeah, right. I, I feel shortly, like... probably, but like, who accidentally <laughs> taps the discover button now? Like, we've all readjusted to the new position, have stopped using it. Um, yeah. So, so I think that Twitter, like, if I can give them like unsolicited advice. <laughs> Very unsolicited <laughs> on this podcast because this is what podcasts are for. Unsolicited but redesign I, advice. I would love, I would love Twitter to sort of take a a, a look at the bigger product as a whole mm-hmm. and, and try to formulate their goals in terms of the overall experience and be less siloed in terms of of teams. And I think that probably speaks to maybe some of the structural things. Like I don't think it's any like designer specifically like not doing a good job. I think they're doing a good job at like the tasks they're being given. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in terms of like management yeah. and like leadership, I think there's maybe some uh, some things to improve there. So in theory, this is where a design system comes into play, right? Because And one of the at, core tenets of their design system has to be like no Nazis. Y- yeah, yeah. Well, no, th- I mean, that's part of the design system is like what, how do we value content? How do we value the stuff that people post on the website because that's the fucking product, right? Yeah. But I think of um, any large company when you have lots and lots of teams, they become silo and Mm -hmm. they start to diverge and they start to like overlap and clash. And a design system is a tool that you can use to help bring people onto the same playing field and think more holistically about, okay, 
if we're going to build something and it needs to get engagement when we launch it, this is the way to do it because our design system says it. Like you do this kind of thing in notifications, you do this kind of thing in the tab bar, blah, blah, blah. Right. I think it's it's a good step forward, but it's it's kind of like the artifact. Uh, but the important part there is is like the alignment towards the same mission, the same same vision, same goals. And so like when you put out a new style guide or design system the way that like we have at Shopify with Polaris, like this should not be like the end state of like the thing you're putting out. It should come with a lot of uh, education, a lot of like cross team collaboration and, and like interdiscipline thinking of like where we're going as a company and like how we think about the future. It's not just visual design elements. It's documentation of decision making. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and yeah, like certainly I think the best um, the best like style guides do that. They don't just show you the UI that you can use, but they also mm-hmm. explain go into the why um, and kind of like the rationale behind this decision, these decisions so that you can sort of think for yourself and, and kind of arrive at the same conclusions g- given the same amount of the same amount of facts. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause it's like, if you, you could also look at it on like the development side, like I don't think engineering teams would think that like they're, their linter is like, aha, like this is how we align as a team on like how we're, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna build stuff. Like the 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 design system and the the style guide is like kind of like the base level. Like, okay, let's make sure that we don't have fifteen different types of buttons. Um and then you can sort of build on that. But what if the button isn't shared. solved yet? Right. <laughs> I think we need to go back to the core tenets of a button. <laughs> <laughs> well it needs a groove to slide <laughs> and, into. And like to a... answer those questions, we turned it off. Uh, what, is <laughs> what is button? button? What is button? Oh, okay. So we have this long running thing on the show, on layout, <laughs> about buttons versus links. Oh. <laughs> so do you want to tell us about that? Uh, I, I, I said that uh, like a link in a website is a button, like on an F bar. I said that is a button. So what is a button? Anyway, let's not get into that. <laughs> so can a We're link actually, be a button? I mean, a button they're supposed to be used differently, right? But we, web designers and developers have just sort of mixed the mm-hmm. two. But a button's supposed to be about like submitting things or interacting with right. the UI and links are for navigating. So having a button to go to a page is actually not really what you want it to be. Hmm. A button should be like, perform an action or undo an action or delete a thing or save a thing right hey an action can be go to a place boom but that should be a link <laughs> but we make them look like buttons or we even call them buttons and like <laughs> well because buttons don't even have a href wait so attribute right like mm-hmm. you you use an a well, tag and you just the, make so it look like there's, a there's a functional button in a form there's yeah. a functional button element and then there's button as a presentation term yeah yeah, 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 you're talking about right. button as like HTML yeah, 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 element, yeah. like yeah, yeah. and that is on iOS, like everything is a UI button. Mm, they're changing that, right? Oh. Are they? Are they? Yeah, they've started introducing buttons in, uh, well, in a few of their first party apps. Wait, introducing buttons? Like wait, going back, in- going oh. introducing, back, going back to button, buttons, buttons. Yeah, no, no, yeah. We can't iOS. wait to see what you're gonna do with this. <laughs> 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 Developers have been asking for this for. Five years. <laughs> Still, like a button on iOS 7 suddenly had no borders and no uh, background, but it was a button, mm. even though it was just text. So 
Wow. This got like really deep. Uh, anyways. Anyways. <laughs> so no conclusion there. No. Well, I think, well, okay. I think <laughs> a link can be a button, but a button can't be a link. Or is wait, it the opposite? Wait, wait. A button can be a link, but wait, a link a... can't be a button. Right. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. not unless you're in iOS. In which case, uh, everything is just text. For me, for me, is everything that you can click on it. Because that's like what a button is, like a physical button, something that you click, you push, right? Everything that you can click can be a button. Well, not if it's a link button. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this has been a very special See, episode. See, this is why uh, this, is a, this is a running thing on layout. Because, yeah. Yeah. And now it's a running thing What the fuck's a button? Well, a link is a person who dresses in green and runs around Hyrule. There you go. Is it green? Because then the latest one is blue. Well, blue some of the time. There you go. I, I don't have a green outfit on Bre- on Breath of the Wild. You know you can uh, add colors to the to the clothes. Yes, yeah, yeah. you can dye it. Yeah. All of mine are dyed. Yeah, all mm-hmm. mine are dyed too. Brian doesn't have any, so <laughs> they both are and aren't. They're Schrodinger's clothes. <laughs> yes. Oh, nice, nice reference. So, um, I know you you guys are uh, building Spectrum, correct? No. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <have> <laughs> you... <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um. What's the uh, like the split? The split, like, like, because right now you're like a designer and you're also building it, so you're you're like uh, developers, right? Why are those different? Uh, oh God no, Brent! <laughs> you become uh, everything you hate, Brent. <laughs> the transformation is complete. What do you, what do you mean, <laughs> everything I hate? You used to hate this shit. What do you mean? When people would say stuff like that, like what? Why can't they be the same thing? I'm an engineer. That's both. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Adam McKella. I, I was just wondering, how are you dividing work? Kind of like what kind of designers are you, if any? Like right not now? very good ones. Yeah, bad ones. No, they use like <laughs> Sketch or Figma or whatever. Build your mockups and then you talk about it and validate them and then build it. You know. Uh, so my thought is for ambiguous problems, you don't want to build it in HTML or JavaScript. Because that's dumb. Because it's an ambiguous problem, and the way to solve ambiguous problems is to go really, really wide as fast as you can. Like get every option on the table, mm. see what's possible, and then hone in. And the problem with building yeah. it in code is the second you write one container, you've locked yourself into a set of decisions that become increasingly hard to reverse. Whereas in Sketch, you just make a new artboard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then for small decisions, like how should this? button look uh yeah i don't think we really futz around in sketch or figma for that um squircles so i mean i think that's been the interesting thing for us is the the overlap is a bit weird because we both share a lot of the same skills Mm -hmm. brian takes a very i've said this a lot of times i think brian's a very pragmatic designer Mm -hmm. and he kind of tends to like think through problems very wide in which is not a thing that i have like it's just not something i have built into my personality at all mm-hmm. um i tend to like try and make the first reasonable decision i can and then just ship that thing but sometimes that drives me to go like very um over specialized <laughs> like I'll, yeah. I'll, i will make that button interesting as i can <laughs> uh if you've seen our buttons they are gradienty and drop shadowy and they hug your cursor when you hover over them like they're they're interesting to say the least um or like I'll dig on dig in on icon work right away. Like I want to convey this idea and I want to do it in a way that like makes me happy when I do it. So I'm going to like 
try and do this new thing. And that's not always the best way to do something. Um, but it also is like, I, I just make the fastest decision I can and then just over-optimize from there. <laughs> yeah, but I think the interesting thing that's come up for us and it'd be cool to get your guys' take on it is we have some metrics, but it's so small to be, mm-hmm. like it's not significant. We can't right. really A-B test stuff. Mm-hmm. So the decisions we make are based on user feedback, but the execution of those decisions is our subjective choice. Like we say, we think this is the right solution. We think this looks good. Ship it. Right. Um, I don't really know when you cross the threshold to being like, okay, we need to measure the quality of what we're putting out. Like measuring the quality of There's our visuals or measuring the quality subjective. of our iPhones. Right, right, right. But once you bring that into decision-making and you say, well, it's subjective, like you can't ever finish that conversation. You know what I mean? Like, unless you have something to measure it against, no one can win that argument. Yeah. So I'm curious how you two approach this problem of like, what is quality of the things that you're designing? The UI, is it that the business made money from it? Is that quality? Is it a looks good? That segue. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, that's actually something that we've been thinking about a lot uh, at Shopify um, because as we're trying to like set up more structure for our team, um, we've kind of found the need to be able to like quantify these things that are generally more subjective. Um, so uh, this isn't like just me. So like <laughs> I don't want to take credit for all of this. Like this is a bunch of people thinking about this. But actually, I did and, it all. <laughs> no, um, we call it the Clark system. <laughs> <laughs> No, I did not come up with uh, most of this. Um, but um, yeah, we've been trying to like identify different categories um, and sort of flesh out a bit more how we think about like the work that we're we're putting out. So one of the first things um, is like the problem understanding is okay. Are you really able to like understand this the kind of problem that you're trying to solve? Do you know like the different implications of of like that that different problem? Like when you were talking about like, hey, like this is a button. Like let's make the ni- the nicest button. Um, like that is certainly like one way to approach it. But also like sometimes you have to think about should it even be a button? Like or should it be something else? So that's one of the 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 first aspect is like really like asking a lot of questions and trying to like understand okay, what is the, the actual problem that we're trying to solve before even like starting to, to create solutions? One of the other ones um, is we call it purposefulness. Um, so basically it's like a good design solution should solve business problems. Um, so like it doesn't matter like how good you make that button uh, if it doesn't achieve the, the goal that it's supposed to do. And like we've seen that in many many like different teams or projects where like from a from a like design like quality standpoint this is like really nice and like it's a really great experience but if it doesn't achieve what it's supposed to do at the end of the day like that's kind of worthless and like i i work on an area a product area where like that's specifically important i work on the 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 checkout experience um and so like 
even if I make like the nicest bike experience, if it doesn't help merchants make more sales, then like, am I like even bringing value? Like, if I really believe in the power of design, I should be, I should be able to produce something that is going to make people more interested in, in buying the things that, that merchants have to sell. And obviously, like, that will never be 100%. Like, I, I don't want, I can't use design to, like, force someone into buying something. Um, or can you? Okay. Or can you? I <laughs> so, could. But mm. what if you get down to it and there are a couple iterations and neither of them cost any more time or any more effort and they have the exact same stats? How do you pick? Well, then that's where, like, you have other criteria that, that come into play. Like, What are the criteria? Obviously, like we want, um, we call this more like technical quality, um, but that's like, okay, is it easily understandable? Is it like faster for a user to to use? Do you have like even in in the technical quality, we look at things like visual design. Like, okay, is this something that that is appealing? That is a nice thing to use. Um, appealing can be extremely subjective. It can be. And, and like we're still trying to flesh some of those out that are like hardest to to kind of nail down what what it means. Um, but we at least like want to have like a base a baseline level of like okay like this is polished enough that um, when we're going into design review, like we're not gonna have people talking about like your thing is poorly aligned or like you have three typos in in that sentence. Thank you for calling that out. That drives me nuts. <laughs> Having typos and mocks. Yes. Yeah, because that's all everyone can focus about. That's and like the minimum level of attention to detail. I think. Yeah. It's like just like run it through a spell checker or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But Sketch um, doesn't have a spell checker. Stop using Sketch, dude. Does Figma? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Um. So yeah. Um. What else? Yeah. Another thing is um, kind of the. We're we're still trying to like name these things correctly, but we we used to call it scrappiness, uh, but now we're like kind of exploring different other other terms so for it. It's basically a but set of values. It's well, it's that you measure against. No, uh, that's more about like the the scope for your project. So, like, what is the highest impact thing that you can be doing right now? So, like, obviously, like you can spend like two years working on something, but like. It, when is it like good enough? Like, what is mm-hmm. the the like baseline things that that you can put out in the world and have people already benefit from, and then you can keep building on it? And that's um, what a design system does. That's what a design system does. It helps you like sort of get to that baseline level really fast. Um, but we also like <laughs> we've been talking a lot about like applying the right level of obsession <laughs> um, in our in our design team because like some amount of obsession is good right like you want people to like really care about the stuff that they do um and and go above and beyond like what most people would perceive like i think that's one aspect of of good design like when you think about like products that are like design like i know apple is really famous for that stuff of like the thing looks amazing inside and out right and even if like most people don't care except for when it's fucking pngs of svgs of their damn sf mono that they didn't want to release yeah sure. except, except that <laughs> but um <laughs> so some amount of obsession is important uh but you can also have too much of it um and, and like obsess for for weeks and weeks 
on a certain problem. And at a certain point, it's just like, look, this is never going to be like perfect and like be amazing on all fronts. But like, this is the best set of compromise that we've got based on our goals that we want to accomplish. Um, I feel like the obsession thing is interesting. Um, and I like the way you framed it as like, what's the right amount of obsession for an individual and then for a team? Because I'm pretty good at rationalizing mm-hmm. to myself. Like, <laughs> no, 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 trust me. Like, this is super important and it's going to pay off in the long run. Mm-hmm. When perhaps on the outside, people might disagree. So how do you balance when people, like, how do you get out of your own head to really determine if this is the way you should be spending your time? I feel like, the, uh, at least for me, from the outside, like I I was growing up reading all this Steve Jobs anecdotes and how they stress out every single detail and how Johnny Ive is spending like three years picking a doorknob um, for the new campus and shit. stuff. Uh. So I, like, I've been preached this obsession. Obses- you know, obsession to detail is good, and that's look, Apple aren't they awesome uh, and super successful? Like the most <laughs> successful company in, in the world, so that must pay off. Um, but then, like, if you, there are a lot of variables that you're not aware, and when, especially when you're working like at a startup, like early days. And you don't understand, like, oh no, um, hey CEO, you don't understand. Uh, like, I have to obsess over details because I have Steve to jobs. be Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah, you don't understand. This is the right way to do it. And they're like, hey, if we don't ship this in the next three months, the company yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So, what are you going to do about that? Like, there are a lot of external forces that usually designers in their own design worldly white world, right, uh, Johnny? Ives? <laughs> uh, you're you're not aware. And you're not taking into account. Uh, and a business, a company is not just design and developers. It, 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 there's a lot more to it. Um, so maybe uh, it's Steve Jobs' fault. I don't know. How do you? <laughs> I feel like there's a thought process you grow out of, right? Like people start yeah, there. Reality in the face. It's well, it's the marketing aspect of design, right? Not the actual practical hmm. version of design. It, it's like what you want to sell people to get into it, and then pull them back out. Yeah, one of the things that I I've, I think I learned, or one of the most important things that I've learned since I started working in this industry and mm-hmm. in this medium and in the Bay Area stuff, is that uh, I would say like ninety percent of stuff that you point out, like, hey, how come you didn't do it this way or that way? Like the team knows, mm-hmm. oh, they know, and probably they they fought a lot to actually do it the right way. There were probably some vicious battles. Yeah, <laughs> and and. You know, it's not their fault, or there are a lot of other things that you you don't know and you're not taking into account. Um, and I think like it's just empathy with because we are just people doing this, right? Uh, we're teams, group of people doing it in like empathy, like we're all humans, and yeah, it's not like hey, Apple shouldn't. Oh my God, the iPhone, the button doesn't align to whatever, and when I, I don't try to lock but, your phone, but also and it the doesn't. volume goes. What? <laughs> but it's like, like you don't know. <laughs> Probably, like if you, some designer in in school, think this is wrong. Imagine Johnny freaking Ive, right? <laughs> like he probably also thinks that's oh, wrong. No, he doesn't. He's walking around down on Battery Street with his briefcase open. <laughs> I've seen him several times. Okay, so you know, it's like empathy for 
other teams and other people and other designers. I agree, which is why it's really hard to give unsolicited feedback to someone like Twitter. Is like they, yeah, those people they they're not dumb. They know that stuff's not working, or but, they but, have such vastly different sets of inputs right. at data that we're not aware of that we are just outliers to them. Like so, our feedback on the replies UI, they're like doesn't fucking matter what you think because but, the world at large well, they know it. that people get tired of complaining about it eventually too <laughs> yeah they know <laughs> on twitter they know we'll move on yeah yeah but I, I feel like this feedback these complaints are not directed at the designers i feel like even if we think it is uh it's not it's directed at pms leadership PMs, whatever. yeah whoever decided but in 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 that day I, their engagement must have just like skyrocketed yeah. and they're like look at this we won like <laughs> yeah. we did the internet look at this and that goes back to what i was saying about like the looking at one metric at a time yeah. like yeah exactly <laughs> it's like if you like of course if you measure if you use that as the measurement like you're gonna think you're successful when you're not necessarily and that Man, goes, i can't replace for i can't wait for a good replacement for twitter be excited. Okay, is that even possible? Isn't it app.net? I think that was uh, pretty cool. <laughs> no, I said good. It's Mastodon now. Oh, <laughs> well, I never got I, Again, I said I good. I was able to sign up to that. Um, Every time I try, like, oh, our server is no. You have to be on a different server. Mm. That's why it's confusing. I think it's funny how, like, this service that we use all the time is still based on, like, SMS. Like, the structure <laughs> is still SMS driven. That's why Twitter is amazing. Like, I don't... Yeah, that's a genius. The network's yeah. so... I don't know. Maybe something will. By the way, I, uh, it. I love Twitter. And I, know. I know Kevin also. Like, mm-hmm. I think we all love yeah. Twitter, and that's, that's why, why we care. So, yeah. That's why yeah. we give a shit. It's like my favorite product, probably. Yeah. Like, that I, yeah. Most important. It's product probably that my is. most visited app. Yeah. Yeah. But is it is it a good product because of the network that is there, or because of the product itself? Uh, I mean, it has to be a mix of both, right? Yeah. Well, the product allowed for the network to. I guess I'm saying if the network of like the people we engage with were anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'll go where you can have follow interesting people and have an audience, but Twitter's done a good job of allowing like pretty good creation yeah. of that and bringing people together. And yeah. And I think there were like a million, like maybe not a million, but like a lot of really good and smart decisions like very early on mm-hmm. about like super opinionated stuff, like the 140 character limit. Well, that, like That was a hard technical limit. That was well. That was, that was for the SMS. Mm-hmm. Thing, yeah. Right? So it's it's but, but the, just, the usernames are twenty characters. Yeah. Including the colon and the space or something like that. And then after that, it's one hundred forty characters message. That was, but like they didn't have to make it work on SMS, yeah. right? Like, and, and I think at the time like, they kind of did, right? Like well, that was, but they could have changed it at any point. I feel yes, like they, they could have changed, changed it at any point. That's yeah, absolutely and, true. And that was like this hard stance of like, no, we actually think that by having that limit, that's going to influence the kind of mm-hmm. messages that are going to be posted on there. Um, well, and, it sounds like they're going to change it, which is interesting. And that uh, was like really great insight at that time. And I, I'm just like wondering, like, are there like more decisions like that that are being made today about like strategic, like future forward looking so things? It's It's weird that it's maybe it's because I'm, haven't seen a whole lot of big companies topple like over the course of our lifetime we'll see lots and lots of big companies right. topple and if you were around in the 2000s like, i mean yahoo right like we're seeing that right now yeah it's i like, guess go, yahoo, it's like ending. but like i never used yahoo when it was big like mm-hmm. i never me either but it's hard for me to imagine a world without twitter but yeah it's very feasible that the decisions they're making today are putting it on a path towards becoming obsolete 
Well, or vice versa. And same with any other big company, right? I think they're optimizing. It's hard to think of it not existing. I don't know. It's yeah. just like it's just this thing I that exists like in, this in idea the world. Is like and too it, important to die. Yeah, like, it shouldn't go away. Well, and there, although it's probably it's losing four hundred million. They want to be the pulse of the internet or whatever it is. Um, some news organization. Uh, so they optimize for broadcasting. So you see that in the new replies UI, where it's separating that stuff out because it's not as important to them. Their new notifications say you were included, not you were replied to. Like they're, they're optimizing for this broadcasting thing, and I think that tells us that we are not the users they are caring about for sure we're not i don't think like they don't want conversation they we want to represent the twitter user yeah. like damn it yeah and that, that's i want a custom so product for me <laughs> <sighs> but i'm I, i've been like trying to think about this like deep size replies are already hard to follow like they, they don't care about that piece they care about hey, the individual use, tweet but what if tweetbot became a pro like its own service that'd be hilarious boom because i use tweetbot uh yeah i do too i don't uh, yeah, well, look at us and split down bad. the middle. I used to use Sweetbot for a long time. Mm-hmm. Can't yeah. do it anymore. But I've been trying to think about this. Like, what is Twitter's like ideal user? Donald like, Trump. Like who? Like who are they optimizing for? <laughs> really, Donald Trump. Because it's like it's kind of hard to to define that today, right? Like, I mean, I think it's the POTUS account. Like, just generally, <laughs> that's that's like their ideal user. Yeah, I don't know. Onboard it like whoever's people? designing onboarding at Twitter must yeah. have their work cut out for them. World War Three like is going to start with a tweet. Yeah. How do you how do you handle that power as a company? You know. Mm-hmm. Well, what, also what they surface to you on, in onboarding are people who broadcast to others. Mm. It's not. I would it's say, not focused I would on interpersonal like engagement. Huge majority of Twitter users they don't actually tweet; they just consume. Yeah. Right. That'll anyway. get them new accounts. That'll get them all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Like when you create a Twitter account, it's like, hey, follow Katy Perry and and Trump and mm-hmm. whatever. Anyway, moving on. Hey, <laughs> uh, I want to talk to you guys about the this uh, article from Tim Tim Van Dam thing. Mm-hmm. The symbols one. The symbols one. Well, the components one. Is it uh, about using nested symbols? Give me the TLDR. I did read it, but okay. for people that I didn't for for listeners and Bryn. I love you, Tim, but I didn't. I'm wearing your hat right <laughs> now, but I didn't. <laughs> So, uh, the TLDR version is instead of you using design tools uh, the traditional way, like creating. The design tool uses you. Uh, almost. Uh, so, <laughs> you start, you like everything is going to be a symbol. So, this is like very sketch specific. Going to be or should be? What do you mean? Are you saying like this is evolves to the point where. Uh, sorry. So, it all starts like with a base level symbol, like a user avatar, an icon, or whatever. And then you create a level two. This is Tim's article uh, thing. You create like a level two symbol, which is, you know, that one avatar symbol and then the name and description of the user, for example. And then that's another symbol. And then you create like a level three where like the whole sidebar, which is made by a bunch of symbols, like every user, whatever. So atomic design is symbols. Yeah, kind of, right? So, and then basically the end result, like a page, a view of an app or whatever, in the end, it's just a bunch of symbols, right? And again, sketch specific, but have symbols. you read my post on this for Figma? What about the constraints? One? Team libraries say yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But give yes. me a reminder for listeners who haven't read. <laughs> it. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a secret. <laughs> we built a feature, and that was the use case I laid out. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, just, great for the sake of conversation. So, it's not just sketch so, thing. He, uh, okay. okay, as a principle. 
Okay, so that's what the article is about. That's the thing. As a principle, right? Uh, I feel like right now, because React is the new hotness, and we have a bunch of uh, developers, web developers, embracing React, which is very like component-based. Everything is a component and a reusable component. And if you follow that philosophy in design, so you design everything as a component, and everything is reusable, and everything is responsive and adaptable, uh, like I feel like we designers and developers are like converging into one same headspace, like the same, like we share this component thing where we can both understand and we can both build for. Um, and I feel like that's a first, right? Like we are arriving designers and developers, like we're we're getting to into an agreement some sort. We're developing a shared language to some degree. That's Ooh. what I would say is like the, we're just arriving at similar concepts that programming's had for a really, really long time. We're finally having the <laughs> same conversation instead of like, Which is good. look at this line height. But I think that's appropriate <laughs> for Tim to write the post because Abstract's doing the same things. Like, how right. can we start talking about branching and committing and forking and like version right. control mm-hmm. and these kinds of concepts that are inherent in building good software? Um, so the components thing makes a lot of sense. I think <laughs> it's a good marketing play for them, but also it's a very important thing. F- from my experience with symbols is if you are a designer and you have to use Sketch, you should absolutely use symbols for every single thing. But what I found is even when I did that, so like I was the craziest symbols user. Mm-hmm. If, you ask, if you ask Julius Tarn, who, <laughs> who runs their, their Facebook tools team, yeah. he says that Brian is the heaviest symbols user at Facebook. Well, I don't know if I can hold that really? crown anymore, mostly because I don't work there anymore. Well, he <laughs> said um, he was but, at the time. Uh, right, right. Yeah, I went all in on symbols and I had like really nice composed systems that were all resizable and you could swap shit in and out. And then I realized when I finished a feature, I never really used it again <laughs> or updated it. And it was kind of a big fucking waste of time. Yeah. Not, well, I disagree well, there. not a waste yeah. of time. Like it helped me think, but um, what got built isn't what was in my sketch file. And I still think that's the biggest gap. Oh, so okay. your point is, Talking about the same concepts is very important. I feel like that's a step forward, mm-hmm. but I feel like we're still nowhere even close to saying it doesn't fucking matter how you've composed your sketch mm-hmm. file because it's going to be built entirely different and in a different composed way that you might not even know. You effectively know lose all of that work when you yeah, switch you, over. Unless, pro- unless you're sitting next to the developer who's also building the component system and code in the exact same hierarchy and structure and like but right. the, then you have to thought. update it if anything so, yeah, changes. Yeah, yeah. And then on the way back, like when it's time for iteration two, you lose all the work they did. It's But so the problem there, there is not that, you know, designing in components is a waste of time, is that the way you're designing in components, it's not communicated to the developer. No, I'm saying it's, some it's a waste of time well, because it's still not the thing yeah, you're that also, gets built. It. If you're going to design in Sketch, you should design everything in symbols. So like it's great from a design workflow point of view, but mm-hmm. from a software product development point of view, it's still I still feel like we have a lot of Is it though? Go. Think about like, the number of hacks you use in Sketch to like accomplish a given thing. I know. Like that's not something not you would do. Yet. It's not yeah. there well, well, what do you think? One of the my struggles with with symbols and Sketch is I think it also influences the way you design which may be a good thing or a bad thing like it really depends the way you look at it but um i tend to subscribe a lot to like the the ideas behind the uh design by brute force which is like 
okay, try a million ideas and then you'll be able to like mm-hmm. eventually find something that works. I found that symbols tend to restrict that in like the the way that they're they have to be a lot more like precise about okay, here's like this type of button, here's this type of layout. Um, which like makes it really hard to try a bunch of different ideas really quickly. Um, yeah, so I I agree with you, and I think maybe I mentioned this earlier. Like when a problem is ambiguous, you don't want to be constrained by your early decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you make a very complex set of symbols when you're just starting at like a blue sky project, you're probably not going about it the right way. But symbols can be so much more than that. Like it's mm-hmm. um, they're just a time hack to save tediousness. And I think one of the things that will go away in time is the tedious work that we do as designers. Right. They do wrap things up nicely too. Nudging like and resizing and like mm-hmm. command clicking 50 layers and changing one property, <laughs> like that kind of stuff is That's just, the part of design I like. it's tedious and it's a waste of our time and it's a waste of our brains. But to me it helps. And so symbol solves that. Hmm. So you should, I think that's why they're still inherently valuable, even if you are doing blue sky stuff. Is right, like don't get locked into them, but use them as a tool to save tediousness. Yeah. I guess. So I I think like that's that's why I struggle a bit with like you saying you should always design in symbols and sketch because I think like that it really depends on where you are on. I don't like, do the that design by the process. Way. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> or don't even do anything. Um, don't do anything. I think like. Once, don't even don't don't design. <laughs> Just don't design. Well, because once you have like the design system and you're like working with the uh, like pretty advanced set of Lego pieces, let's like use this this metaphor. Mm-hmm. Like I think it then it does make sense and starts to speed up things a lot. Um, but what even is a Lego button? <laughs> oh god. But, but um yeah, I think there there are moments where it doesn't really make sense. No, you're and, right. I. I to me, I think in theory, I really like what I said. Like, yeah, I use symbols, but in practice, like when I'm designing Spectrum, it's not. I'm, I do, just artboards for days. Yeah, and I, I'm not mm-hmm. going to use any symbols because I'm just trying to get things out of my head onto a screen as fast as I possibly can. I don't give a shit about layers. I don't give a shit about consistency, mm-hmm. type, size, blah yep. blah blah. Just get it out on my head. Duplicate that artboard. Iterate. Duplicate. Duplicate. Yeah. And so for that. You're right. It would slow you down unless I was smarter or better, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I designed the exact same way. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is what computers are good at is duplicating and iterating on a set of properties. And the fact that design tools don't do that really bothers me. Well, yeah. you've got things that. like Renee. You can duplicate artboards and iterate on them. I mean, at some point, your brain has to have an input, right? Anyway, so to me, it also really helps me like identify reusable patterns that I've you know if if I'm if everything is a symbol you start realizing oh shit like I already have something exactly like this I can just use that symbol instead of like doing everything from the ground up so like right now I end up uh, coding a lot of uh, what I a lot of the components that I'm designing so it also helps when I'm starting to design the mockups like to think already like in advance all right so this is going to be one component that's going to be another one. This is how they relate to each other and stuff like that. Uh, I think the tools, and again, this is part of a lot of our frustration, I believe, is like the tools are not there yet. And I don't know if they they want to be there, but like it feels like we're still hacking our tools a bit to work how we <laughs> Definitely. want. Definitely. Uh, like right now, for example, I think the biggest things that Sketch could improve to help in this regard is, well, first, like organization. Like every time you create a symbol, just 
just throw it in that one page. Like the symbols itself, they have no idea. Like they're not aware of each other. They don't know. Just like, yeah, you can do like the naming, like buttons slash something, something. It was just grouped, but like it's a mess. You you have to do a lot of spring cleaning in your sketch documents to make it like usable. Um, and then the, the whole uh, responsive thing, like right now, in order for me to test the responsiveness of a, of a symbol, I had to create an instance of that symbol and then try it in, I don't know if maybe mm-hmm. I'm doing it wrong. Uh, it's like a complete mess. Imagine that if we could uh, have like a component centered in the canvas and you could just play with like a responsive mode on Safari, for example, you can just like play with the mm-hmm. responsive. Uh, I know you guys don't like Safari that much, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, how dare you? Yeah, Safari sorry. user here. <laughs> yeah, Safari user here. Okay, <laughs> so hang on. You bu- so how's the web for you guys, huh? <laughs> how do you like the internet? It's hey, pro tip: if you design, if you design for Safari, like everything else is like a bonus. Yay! Everything else works better, <laughs> right? If you try in Chrome, you're like ah, crap! Safari uh, is broken. Safari. That's probably the smarter way to do it. Boom. But it's also a little bit. Have you used those dev tools though? Because I mean, yeah. yeah. But... Well, I force myself like I use Safari as my like day to day browser. Like uh, I personally use it, and then I use Chrome for dev stuff mostly, and then I use Safari. Um, I use Firefox for like the admin account is always logged in into Firefox. I, I use Firefox wow. when I want to see everything really fat. <laughs> right. Actually, Firefox is doing great in tools for CSS Grid. I don't know if you saw that. I haven't played with it. Okay. All right. Cool. No, I haven't played with CSS. Hi. <laughs> yeah, I, taught, I just uh, just attended a, w- a workshop. I feel like I'm just getting good at Flexbox. Well, <laughs> I know. I, I'm sorry to tell you, you're not yet. <laughs> oh. Ouch. Uh, I'm pretty good at Flexbox. I just like to ask you the dumb no, questions so that I don't have to <laughs> troubleshoot it. Well, CSS is I, pretty I'm saying great, this actually. from the perspective of I'm not either. No one really is. Uh, Flexbox is... Like that system of properties is super weird sometimes. Um, I think there aren't like established paradigms yet. The only thing I'm really bad at is the flex property itself. Whether it's because <laughs> well, that's one, a shorthand. It's like that's, I know that that's what I'm bad at is like remembering flex grow, flex shrink, yeah. flex basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brian, <laughs> no, I, I know, I know. And then but there's in, like in align and justify, and yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Every time I do something with Flexbox, I open the CSS tricks page yep. with like yep. all yep. <laughs> yep. uh-huh. have that bookmark. There's some interesting so. things that I like hadn't ever played with that aren't covered in there, like FlexFlow, which is both wrap and uh, what's the other one? I think it's Flex Direction and Flex Wrap in one, which mm. is kind of nice. Huh. But you can drop all that and just focus on CSS grid. Well, because if it's, it's awesome. A, it's not like supported in my mind, dude. It's well, Got good coverage well, uh, now. It's all Safari technology preview. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it shipped in uh, well, proper Safari. Oh, really? Yeah. It's shipped in so all the major At browsers. least my Safari yeah. site won't be any worse than the current one. <laughs> hey, Safari. I like having battery on my laptop, so. Boom. Shit. Shade, yeah. shade, 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 shade. Uh, I think. Uh, cool. We're at about an hour, guys. Cool. Well, this has been a fun yeah. uh, mishmash of topics and getting you guys in the studio. It's been fun. And I'm glad you two got to finally meet. Yeah. Yeah. And it was awesome. Everyone yeah, should we, go listen to the layout. We did that layout. even though it was yesterday and not with us. Yeah. <laughs> that, we're responsible for that. Yeah. You're I'm, glad, I'm glad we're responsible for your friendship and mm-hmm. uh, all of your successes and all of your good fortunes. And basically your meetup tonight because I recommended both Invite and Black Hammer. So you're welcome. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, like, it's like your meetup now. I got you. <laughs> right. <laughs>
Well, my thanks, meetup. Oh, thanks for that. Oh, by the way, we, we didn't mention uh, layout is under the Spec FM umbrella. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. own you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How does it feel you to work for us? Yep. Is that what this is? <laughs> Y'all should go listen to yeah. layout.fm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys are yes. oddly quiet. What's, yeah. what's that website? Like, like, did I say the wrong? <laughs> We're not really good at self-promotion, but but yes. It has really nice artwork. Very, very nice. Boom. Boom. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for that. Made it. All right. Thanks All for, right. Ha- thanks for, for inviting us. us. Yeah. yeah. This is awesome. Finally, like, uh, I can scratch this off the bucket list. Thanks. That was 196. Thanks so much to Kevin and Rafa for coming and hanging out. If you have feedback for us. Don't send up? it. Spectrum.chat slash specfm slash design details. Yeah. All the slashes. We collect them all for you. Mm-hmm. Bundle them up into one URL mm-hmm. and send you there. Also, go listen to uh, the latest layout episode. You can find that at spec.fm. It might not be the layout, the latest at the time this comes out. Uh, I don't know. Well, they, go listen to the latest, too. They interviewed Brynn and I. It was very fun. We made jokes. We made goofs. There were lots of goofs. Lots of goofs. Too many goofs. Uh, but also some thoughtful stuff, because Brian was there. Yeah. You can go listen at spec.fm or layout.fm is their, their page. And of course, before we go, thank you so much to Fuse for making this episode possible. This team is rethinking at the app development process from the ground up for designers and developers, making output real-time and collaborative, making it easy for designers to actually build real apps. If you want to learn more, go to fusetools.com. They have an incredibly easy setup process, amazing documentation. You can understand the code. It's like very clear how it works hierarchically and yeah. what the structure really Even is. Even saying that it's code like makes it sound more intimidating than it is. It looks beautiful uh, and you should pick it up, try it out, and build something great. You can learn more at FuseTools.com. Thanks so much, Fuse. See you next week. God, no. When's the last time you guys recorded together in person? Never. Never. We never met. Never, yeah. ever? Yeah, they've never it's, met each other before yeah. yesterday. Yeah. So, like in person. No. That was kind of crazy. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. that's true. Yeah. Wait, what? This is a momentous occasion, yeah. Brian. We are uh, we are um, internet people. <laughs> I didn't well, realize so that. They were, I thought you guys... They followed each other on Twitter, and that meant they were really good friends. Oh, yeah. And yeah. They started yeah. replying back and forth to each other, and that best made they friends. were best friends. <laughs> right. And now they've met in person, like, so they're what? You and I aren't even friends. Like, well, we Normal are. We friends. follow each other, but we don't, like, talk to each other, so mm-hmm. we're, like, not very good friends. Yeah. That's how it works. So you guys actually met for the first time yesterday. Yep. Right? Any regrets? And if... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know if I can keep doing this, dude. Like, <laughs> changed everything. It was fun while it lasted. Like, well, show's over. Yeah. No, it, it was weird. It was kind of like walking in another dimension. I was like, whoa. An, another like, dimension? I, like a third yeah, dimension? Yeah, like if, because it feels <laughs> like third. Rafa only lives in Hangouts. <laughs> that's the that's only it, moment. That's your house, Rafa. Yeah. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> yeah. Well, I felt special because like, I had met both of you, and I've already sat in this room with both of you right. previously. Yeah. So right. I was basically the friendship as a person. Mm-hmm. Right. Friendship as, as a service. Pro- you were like the proxy. Mm-hmm. Right. right. It's not a bad idea. Hang on. What, being a proxy? Startup idea. Friendship as friendship a service? Friendship proxy. <laughs> <laughs> Like someone will meet both. Just like just like lonely people want someone to just kick it with. Like, yo, come hang over 
Come hang out and play video games. Yo, I'm gonna play Horizon. Do you want to come watch me? And I'm gonna pay you twenty bucks an hour to just not to be creepy. Chill. Uh, yeah, that's so that's, sad. Yeah, that's, that's. I don't know if that's gonna work. <laughs> I think you'd be surprised. Is there money involved? Like, yeah, pay me, dude. So I'm you're not hanging out with your lonely ass for free. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> uh, uh, 